0: love God and love His presence, and uh, just love what He is doing and uh, His desire to be with us, His desire to touch us, His desire to have fellowship with us. It's just an awesome, awesome privilege to uh, know God and to know His presence. And so let's pray. We're going to get right into today. Um, I'm excited about this series that we're starting today. I pray that it will be an encouragement and challenge to you, as it has been to me. And uh, so let's, let's pray and uh, open up here. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you so much. Jesus, I love you. I love how you love us. Lord, I don't ever want to take that for granted, how much you do really love us. Lord, more than just words that we say, more than just something that we Jesus loves me, Lord. I pray, God, it would be a true revelation that we would be convinced of it, Lord God, that we would know your love. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come today, that you would be here. Thank you that you are here. Pray that you would illuminate and and reveal the Word of God to transform our hearts. Lord, if we can go away with just one Truth from your word, from one truth from your heart, God, it would be worth it. And I pray, God, that uh, more than just meeting here on this, on these Sunday mornings, Lord, for a couple hours, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be the church, twenty-four-seven. That we would live it. That we would reveal it. God, thank you for who you are, and we just honor you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm starting in this series called Above and Beyond, Um, I'm going to get into in a few minutes why I uh, chose that, but uh, we're going to be on this theme for a little while, I'm not quite sure how long yet, but um, a part of my heart is to call us as followers of Jesus to a place of supernatural courage, strength, and, and bravery in the day and the age that we live in to live above and beyond what we consider normal. I want to make a new normal for myself, for for all of us as as believers in Jesus. I was taken to this passage um, in Daniel, this kind of an end times passage um, that, uh, that I came across in preparing for this, and I give you the last part of this, but... In, in, in context, Daniel eleven thirty two it says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. Okay, that's the King James Version. Really, it's a, it's, it's a uh, prophecy about the Antichrist that will come up on the earth and that he will corrupt by flatteries. And, uh, and then it says this about the end times. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Exploits is that, that word, the context of that word is to go above and beyond the call of duty. Recently, I saw um, a Medal of Honor ceremony. You can go to the, ne- the next one. Um, just, I'll let you guys look at this guy for a moment. I, I watched this Medal of Honor ceremony um, a few months ago. There was one, I think, this past week. And I don't know if you've ever had the chance to uh, watch a ceremony where they give out this this medal. This is uh, the top medal that is given to military people. Most of these are given posthumously. In other words, the person died in in an act of bravery or courage, um, giving up their lives for others. But if you've ever seen one of these ceremonies, I've seen a few, I've seen a couple posthumously where they award the family uh, the, the, uh, the Medal of Honor. But it, it's amazing stories of valor and courage. And I recently saw this guy here. The, his name is Sergeant First Class Leroy Petrie. Did anyone else get to see the Medal of Honor ceremony for this, this, this gentleman? Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happened. He was in Afghanistan and they were, he and his unit were caught in a firefight with, uh, with the Taliban. He was shot several times in his legs, I think in his arms. He was, he was pretty bad off. Well, a part of his unit got behind a, a wall, and, uh, and they're just kind of somewhat trying to survive this firefight when they are behind this wall, a grenade comes flying over the wall into their group. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm in that situation, and I was watching this, you know, as they're talking about what happened, you know, the, the normal tendency is to scatter. But this guy, shot in both legs he is, down on the ground, rolls over to the grenade picks it up, and as he's throwing it out, it goes off, and it it blew his hand off, and that's why he's got that kind of futuristic-looking hand now. And I tell you, I, I I was watching this, and I was moved spiritually watching this. Just about this act of courage and bravery to go against every instinct of, 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 you know, humanity, and, and the, in our human sense, it's, it's survival at all costs. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of made to survive, and for this guy to go toward that grenade to save his comrades is absolutely astounding, and it, and it struck me in my heart spiritually as well. I mean, I, I, I love stories of bravery. I love stories of courage you know, when I was in the Air Force, you know, part of learning history, we get to hear these stories of courage and valor, and it's always touched my heart deeply. But it's interesting is, is what is said of them. For this, this, this particular gentleman, and, and you'll recognize these, these, uh, these statements that are made by the president, it says, for acts of courage and valor you know, Sergeant First Class Leroy Petrie went above and beyond the call of duty. Well, when the president made that statement, it hit me right in the heart, and that was where I got the phrase, above and beyond. Above and beyond the call of duty. And as I sat there, I I, I was just thinking, and and I, I really was struck spiritually do I live my life for Jesus above and beyond the call of duty? Do I just live with the minimum requirements in mind? Just enough to get through, just enough to maybe get to heaven one day, and hopefully, you know, I just live a good enough life and get to heaven one day, or how do I live my life? Do I live spiritually like this guy lived in the natural? Because again, what makes a person run toward danger in the heat of the moment knowing that they might die? Many stories, again, are posthumously where you have a grenade coming in the midst, and someone jumps on the grenade and takes the full brunt of that explosion and dies to save other people, to lay down their lives for others. You know, as believers, we are called by Jesus to lay down our life and our lives for others, to love Him and to love others. What would happen if we lived out our faith that way as followers of Jesus ready to lay our lives down if God required it i'm not not necessarily talking physically i'm talking about spiritually it's interesting what you know what is said of them that they go above and beyond the call of duty here's what the recipient says And I saw an interview with this guy, and and you know they ask him, you know, you know, what was going through your mind, and they're they're asking him these questions to just try to figure out why in the world would you ever do something like this. And one of the things, and I've seen another one too, they just go, "I was just doing my duty." They said, "Well, you're you know you're an American hero," and most of them will say, "I'm I'm really not a hero. I was simply doing my duty." And I'm thinking when they're saying that, no, you're not. You're going above and beyond the call of duty. No one would expect that of you. In fact, if you ran with everyone else, that would be a completely normal response that no one would judge you for. Grenade comes in the middle, everyone spreads. Nobody's judging anybody at that moment of, well, I can't believe you didn't jump on it. Well, what about you, friend? Friend. And he says, I was just doing my duty, and I'm thinking, no, you didn't. You went above and beyond. You went against nature. I mean, the human nature is to survive and run, and you jumped on the grenade or you got rid of the grenade. What would make you do that? Because to them, when they say, I was just doing my duty, to them, above and beyond is normal. It's just a part of who they are. Here's the next thing that, they, that, that, that this guy says. He said, well, you know, what were you thinking you know, when you went? He said, you know what, my training just kicked in. You know, it's just a reaction. It's a, it's, it's, he said, my training just kicked in. It's, it's all the time that I spent in training and preparing for, for a moment like this, the training just kicked in. And I'm thinking all the, you know, the months of training, which at times might have seemed monotonous, and if you've ever trained for something, if you've been in the military, you're an athlete and you're training for something, and, you know, those days of monotony where you're doing the same thing over and over, and it seems like, you know, man, this just seems so boring, this seems so lifeless. But the monotony was a part of the preparation to go above and beyond. The training just kicked in. Spiritually, when we look at that, that statement that the training just kicked in, folks, this is where devotion to Jesus. Commitment no matter what. No matter my circumstances, no matter what I'm going through, I'm completely and I'm totally devoted to following Jesus. Devotion, discipline, commitment, learning, obeying, these are part of our spiritual training. And there's power in training, even sometimes when it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's power in the training, and it prepares us to go above and beyond. The hard work is worth it, and it becomes second nature to who we are. You see, training prepares you for battle, and I know that's an obvious statement, but training prepares you for battle. Have you ever been in a spiritual battle, and it seemed like what is going on, you feel an onslaught of the enemy in your life, and how am I going to get through this? I'm telling you folks, devotion, discipline, the training will prepare you for those battles. And before you get ahead of me, you think, well, is Christianity just a bunch of training and devotion and preparing for battle? No, it's through relationship with Jesus is where we find the training, because He walks with us through the training. A part of the devotion is relationship with Him. A part of the training is relationship with Him. But it's reading the Word. It's worship. It's prayer. It's devoting yourself to that stuff daily to spend time with Him. That relationship with Him is just a part of your nature. That when things come, that you are ready. So you don't just wake up one morning and and become a courageous, valiant soldier. This guy did not do that. He didn't, you know, he didn't wake up one day and say, well, you know, I, I think I'm going to be a courageous, valiant soldier today. No, he joined the military. They put him through basic training, which is very Intense. He went from basic training to his specialty training where they prepare him for battle. And there's these months and months and months and months of training. And now now he's ready and he's sent with a unit to a place of hostility and war. And there, because he was ready, because he was prepared, because he had been trained, he did a valiant thing. And he just said the training just kicked in. See, we live in a world at war. The spirit spirit realm is alive. It is very active. There's a battle going on for the hearts of men and women, children. And I want us to live as believers in Jesus, ready to go above and beyond the call of duty going above and beyond the the call of duty begins in the place of surrender and that's why i'm beginning this this series talking about surrender doing exploits also doesn't mean just the grand stuff from a human perspective you know we can we can look at this and this is valiant but it's not just moments of bravery You know, from God's perspective, it's the day-to-day walk of faith. It's the day-to-day obedience. When He puts it on your heart to just simply obey Him. When you don't feel like reading the Word and you open the Word of God and you say, Lord Jesus, beyond my feelings today, I'm going to open up the Word of God. You know that touches the heart of God. And to Him, that is a great exploit. Because sometimes courage is simply doing something that goes against our natural inclination. Our fleshly inclinations. Paul talks about, he said, he said, there's a war in us all. It's the spirit man and the, and the, the flesh man. And, and God doesn't just remove the flesh. We will always forever walk in the flesh. But there's this, there's this war and this battle that rages on inside each one of us. And the spirit man is drawn to spiritual things. Our flesh man is drawn to flesh things. And sometimes valiant uh, courage is born in the place of simply going against the flesh man and saying, I'm going to choose to follow the Spirit of God today. And God looks at that as courage. Going above and beyond the call of duty. Just like when somebody you know, that grenade, the natural inclination is to run from it and they run to it. It's the same type of thing as when we are met with sinful things or maybe I don't feel like doing this and we run toward that spiritual thing and run away from the natural inclination and God calls that courage. Surrender. And the place, the place of surrender, that's where it begins. Surrender of our hearts. Because these soldiers, it's interesting, you know, and, and having been in the military, when you sign up, you belong to them. In training, you know, that's where you're trained in obedience. That's where you're trained in following the command of what is what, what is told of you. It, 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 there's sometimes where it goes against your natural inclination, but you learn to just respond to command and obey. There's not a lot of debate. Well, there's no debate at basic training. Sergeant, I don't feel like doing that. Well, guess what? You're doing it anyway. So, place of surrender, giving up our our heart, giving up our identity to be in Christ. I am not my own, I've been bought with a price. And I belong to Jesus. It begins with surrender. And that's why through this series, I'm going to be talking a lot about going above and beyond in loving others, serving others, in our marriages. We're going to be talking about marriage um, through this series. We're going to be talking about our families. We're going to talk about what it means to obey and to trust. And not just what we consider the big things, but even the day-to-day, the small acts of obedience. And again, that's where it begins the place of surrender. What does it mean to surrender? The definition is this to yield to the power of another, to relinquish. It's giving up control, it is taking your hands off the of control mechanisms, you know, whatever picture you want to use, the steering wheel, the pilot's thing. You know, remember those bumper stickers? God is my co pilot. God better be your pilot. I hope he's flying the plane, but it's to yield to the power of another, to relinquish the act of giving up or yielding oneself to another. That's the definition of surrender. And in the place of surrender, you know, when we surrender to Christ and we give our hearts to, you know, it goes against our natural inclination to give up control. Some of us it's harder than others, but we're we're hardwired to be in control. It's a part of the flesh, man, that's in there. We are hardwired to be in control. It's how we're made. And so it's very tough to give that control up, to yield, to relinquish. But to go above and beyond, to, to, to go away from just living out the minimal requirements of following Jesus, we have to come to a place of complete surrender to Jesus Christ relinquishing power lord i relinquish control i'm not going to do it my way i'm going to do it your way and again this is all in the place of relationship with him we can't we can't ever forget that it's a part of his training a part of his walking with us a part of, is a relationship with him it's not giving up you're not surrendering to a dictator You're surrendering to our Father in heaven, where Paul, if you're tracking along in the One Year Bible, we just read about where it says that we've been given the spirit of adoption by where we can cry out, Abba, Father, which means Dad, that we have a spirit of adoption on us, that we belong to Him. And see, in the place of love and understanding that, it it begins with that revelation, it begins to be easier to give up control. That's why so many people that have a hard time with giving up control is they really don't understand the loving relationship that we have in Christ. It begins there. But surrender, it's saying, I'm not in charge anymore. I'm at your mercy. You have complete control. And that is not an easy thing to do. A couple things about surrender. So we're going to go to the next uh, slide there, David. It's The first one look at three things about surrender number one surrender and faith go hand in hand because see sometimes we put a we put conditional things on surrender we don't mind surrendering if we know that everything is going to work out according to how we want it to work out that really isn't the true definition of surrender but how many of you are like me and you're guilty of that sometimes I give up surrender, but uh, here, here, here's me giving up surrender. And uh, could you read through this document? Because that's how I want everything to pan out after this is all over with. We may not say it, but we live it. We want it to work out great for us, and how, you know, I'll, I'll give up control, but I, I, need some, I need some assurances here. And that's the place of, where we put conditional surrender as opposed to unconditional surrender. The surrender I'm talking about with Christ is unconditional surrender. There are no conditions. We're at His mercy. He's calling the shots, not us. Because see, true surrender, and that's why, it's a, that's why it goes hand in hand with faith, is that we give up control even though we don't see the big picture like He does. Sometimes we just get a glimpse. Sometimes we just get a peace. And that's why it takes great faith to walk in surrender, is, Lord, I don't see the finish line of this current situation that I'm in. I don't understand because I've prayed and, and, and you haven't really responded like I was hoping, but I'm still going to surrender it all to you. The second thing is this, surrender and trust go hand in hand. And all of these kind of fit together trust and faith faith and trust but surrender and trust go hand in hand with God's surrender is never forced upon us God will never force you to surrender that is one of the gifts that we've been given from the very beginning is free will he doesn't force us to surrender he invites us to surrender it is an invitation from his heart. Sometimes in the process, he will deal with us about certain things and certain control mechanisms that we have. Well, you know, all right, Lord, I'll give you that. I'll give up control of that because that's really not a big deal in my life. But boy, please don't deal with this. And we each have those control mechanisms that we hang on to because isn't it easy to surrender stuff that doesn't really apply to your life much? but it's, it's those things that we're over here and you know, we're, we're, we have the white knuckles and we're, you know, and he's like, uh, yeah, you know, all of this is great. What about that thing you got behind your back there? I want that too. And so it's an invitation from his heart and he deals with us in the process of, again, again the place of surrender is a place of relationship. And we see it out of his intense love saying, let me take that from you. And what what God is really saying through that place is, do you trust me? You've given me your life. Do you trust me to lead you? Do you trust me to guide you? Do you trust me that all things will work together for good if you're loving me and you're called according to my, my purposes for you? Do you trust me? And if you're like me, sometimes it's, yes, Lord, I trust you. And then his next question is, are you living like you trust me? Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> do you trust me? Do you live like you trust me? And our hearts should be, Lord, help me. And again, He walks that out with us in relationship is, Lord, these things, these, these things, I, I sometimes trust you, but then I, I, other places I don't trust you. I give up control. I surrender because I do trust you, because you are in control. And I don't see the big picture, but I know that you do. It's like you know, when your child is and you're trying to keep your child in, in, in check and, and you're bringing discipline in their lives and they might get off track and you're, you're bringing, it's out of great love that you bring them back into correction because as a parent, you see the big picture. And you guys know how it is, especially when your kids are so young and they just don't understand. Of course, when they get older, it doesn't get a lot better. They might even understand a little bit better, but then they want to debate with you why, why, you know, why they don't want to do and follow. But you know, as, as, a, as a little child, especially when they don't see danger, they don't perceive it. That's why you know, we childproof our houses, most of us. Of course, in the South, you heard that one comedian. He said, you know, my dad never childproofed anything. He just, hey, take this nail and stick it in that hole in the wall. He said he'll only do it once. And you'll you know, never have to childproof your house ever again. Yeah, that's not the way to do it with parenting, by the way. That's Southern style. Um. <laughs> but you know, as a parent, we see the big picture, and sometimes it's humorous. When, you know, when you're, you know you're, the kid is just falling apart, they don't understand why you won't let them do this, and and sometimes you know it's you kind of chuckle inside. Sometimes you're not chuckling, and it's very intense. But sometimes you just go, you know, if they could just see it, they would understand. Well, you know what? They can't see it, and. God as our Father sees the big picture. And sometimes when we're going through those things that don't make sense. Because again, it's easy to surrender. It's easy to trust when we got a good gauge on what's happening. It's in those moments where there's mystery and confusion and we don't really get it. And God's saying, do you trust me? I want my prayer to be like that guy in the Bible, you know, where, where he brought his child to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you believe that I can make him well? And, and, and you know, the man says, I, I do believe, but help my unbelief. What a great prayer. Lord, I do trust you, but help, help those areas that I don't trust you. I do believe, help my unbelief. Man, you talking about prayers that get Jesus' heart excited for you is when you just humble yourself and you honestly... Lord, Lord, I, I believe you, but help my unbelief. I trust you, but I don't get it. Help me. And the third thing is surrender and obedience go hand in hand. Surrender and obedience. I love the old song, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus... But to trust and obey. Some of you guys are, you remember singing that song, a lot of truth to that song. Remember when the story where Samuel came to Saul and Saul was making great sacrifices and he was, it was not supposed to be making the sacrifices. And Samuel says this, and we, we, a lot of us are familiar with this passage, but he says, "I don't want your sacrifices. I want your obedience." I'm not, I didn't call you to do just the grand thing, you know. I called you to obey when I speak. God had spoken, and he didn't trust God. And he was going to take matters into his own hands, and that was one of the reasons why the kingdom was stripped from him. And God said, I don't want your big sacrifice. I, I, I want you to obey the command that you were given. Because obedience is greater than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And sometimes we look at that great thing that God wants us to do or that series of works that He wants us to do, and He's called us to good works. But He's simply saying this, I want you to obey me every day. When you wake up, let's walk together. By my Spirit, let's walk together and just o- obey when I prompt you. Obey when I, when I touch your heart about something. Just obey me. Because, see, obedience is not about feelings or emotions. The Bible rarely talks about feelings, but it does talk a lot about obedience. And again, in that, in that realm of, of you know, the flesh versus the spirit man at war within us, you know, those natural inclinations, you know, we're, we are hardwired to control, and we're also we're dictated by our feelings, aren't we? Well, I'll do this if I feel like it. Or I'm not feeling that. I I do this if I feel, or if I don't feel, I won't do it. If I don't feel it, I don't believe it. I'll do it if I feel it. And again, we may not be processing in our minds, but that's how we live a lot of the time, is we are dictated by our emotions and our feelings. But obedience surpasses emotions and feelings. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't touch our emotions sometimes. We're, we're, we're created in the image of God. I believe God is emotional. And so don't, don't get me wrong that it's just robotic and it's just methodical. No, it's in a place of relationship, but sometimes he just says, I want you to obey me. And it's not gonna, and, and sometimes obedience goes against your feelings. Again, when you when you're trying to have a daily reading of the word planned for your life, there's some days you're gonna wake up and guess what? You're not going to feel like it. And again, if you're dictated by your emotions, you go, well, I'm not feeling it today, so I'm not going to do it. That's those moments of obedience. Some days you feel, man, you open up the Bible, and man, it's just like God is downloading to you, His presence is close to you, and man, you bring tears to your eyes, and those, those times are glorious and wonderful. But if you're like me, there's days I get up, and it's like crickets are chirping, and like, did I just read something? Man, i got to go back, and I'm kind of like, what did that say? And I'm thinking about, you know, things i got to do during the day while i got that meeting, and I wonder what I'm going to say to that. Oh, I, I'm trying to read the You know, am I the only one in the house? But you do it out of obedience, and God says, man, that touches my heart. More than me drawing near to you and being close to you and you sensing, and you open the Word, and it's just like, you know, honey from heaven, and you're... You know, and it's just beautiful. And, and God said, you know, that's sweet and all, but you know, it's those days when you don't feel like it and you do it anyway, that really touches my heart. Because you're going against your feelings. You're going against that natural inclination. Well, I don't feel like it today. And God said, will you obey me? Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Look at the great people in the Word of God where God would call them to something and it was beyond their they didn't, you're talking about people that didn't feel like doing stuff. Remember God calling Moses? And we, you know, we we lift Moses up as the hero of faith that he really is, but there's a great humanity to this guy. Look at the whole story. God says, I'm gonna call you to go to Egypt to deliver my people. You know, and this sounds wonderful. I'm calling you as the great deliverer of Israel. Man, that just seems like, and by the way, you're gonna be met with the greatest opposition probably that no one else on the earth has ever faced. They're going to hate your gut. Your own people are going to be mad at you. They're going to want to kill you. But I want you to go for it. And I think Moses got it a little bit because, you know, when God first called him, he was thinking of every excuse in the world why he was not the guy. You know, I think he's like, whoa, you know, um, this is not going to be fun and games. Um, I don't speak well. God's like, remove that excuse. You know, who puts, who puts the voice in a human being anyway? It, 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 you're, you're only breathing because I'm allowing you to breathe right now, Moses. Well, you know, I, well, I, I can't do this, I can't do that. And, and God just goes, and God got angry with him because he was making excuses of why he couldn't do it. You know, and, and it, it was beyond his emotions or feelings. Moses was saying, God, I don't feel like it. I'm not feeling this, God. God says, I want you to obey me. And notice that God didn't give him all of the details beforehand. You know, just to help him along. And you know, I'm going to tell you every single detail so that when you, when you get to those places where it's really hard, you'll, you'll look back on me telling you and, you and you'll know what's coming. There was a lot of times where they did not know what was coming. And then Moses taking the Israelites into the wilderness, you know, and they escape and there's a great victory, but they went right from victory to complaining and grumbling and they're going around the mountain, going around. They're out there for 40 years. Let me tell you, folks, he didn't, you're not waking up on one of those days going, man, I just feel it. I don't feel it. we got to obey God. What about Abraham where God called him and says, I want you to pack up all your stuff and I want you to go. Okay, God, you got anything beyond that? Nope, that's it for right now. When it's time, I'll tell you, but uh, go. Go to a place where I will show you. That was, that was what he was giving. That's all the information. How would you like to have that? Pack up and go, uh, where am I going? I'm not going to tell you yet. Well, God, I don't feel it. Um, I want you to obey me. Surrender and obedience. God, I trust you. Because that's what God was saying to these people. That's what he says to us. Do you trust me? Do you trust that I have your best interest in mind? Do you trust that I'm going to lead you and guide you? And We can't be dictated by our emotions. I'm going to look at a couple of passages as I kind of wind down here. Verses from John chapter 15. If you want to turn there, you can. John chapter 15, this is Jesus. And um, this kind of sums up this place of surrender, this place of of his command to love. I want you to hear the heartbeat of Jesus when he's talking to his followers, talking to us. Starting in verse 9, Jesus says this, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. You could stop right there and you could chew on that sentence for a week. That Jesus loves us like the Father loves him. If you're wondering if Jesus loves you today, that's what he says. I love you like the Father loves me. And then he says, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. What does he say? If you obey me, then you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, that your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce Fruit that remains or lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command, love each other. And so Jesus breaks down a few things. How do we remain in his love? We obey like he obeys. This is how we remain in his love. We we are obedient like he is obedient to the Father. You know, the cross was brutal to Jesus He didn't wake up saying, I I feel like going to the cross. In fact, the Bible says he was obedient to the point of death upon the cross. He obeyed his Father. And he said, this is how you remain in my love. Obey like I obey the Father. Verse 11, he said, I've told you this so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be complete. And notice that the joy that he's talking about, notice that the love he's talking about is not just based on whether you feel it or not. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But he's talking about an an inner love that cannot be described by human reasoning. See, our joy usually is based on our circumstances. If our circumstances are good, I'm joyful. And he says, I want to give you a joy that, 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 that goes beyond your circumstances. Verses 12 through 13, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. And so he's telling us as believers, love each other like I've loved you. And he says, greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. The capacity of loving someone like this isn't based on emotions. It begins by remaining in his love through obedience. It's training, it's faith without seeing, it's trusting Notice that, he said, greater love that has no one than this, than one to lay down his life for his friends. The training just kicks in. It's already in there. Soldiers that do courageous things already have courage inside them. The situation and circumstance just squeezes out what's already in there. They respond because it's already there. And Jesus says, if you obey me and you walk with me, my love will be so great into you, you It will just pour out. When you get into situations, you will lay your life down for others. You will serve others. You will will give of yourself to others. It will just be in you. Because when we get squeezed, what comes out? And that's a good question to ask. Lord, when I get squeezed, when things aren't going my way, what comes out? What comes pouring from you verbally? What comes pouring out of your life? And then he says this You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command. There's a conditional thing that Jesus is putting on here. You want to be my friend, do what I've commanded you to do. Obey what I'm asking you to do. I'll walk with you through it, but I'm asking for you to obey. And the last passage I'm going to go look at is from Mark chapter 10. It's one of my favorite. People in the New Testament to talk about because it says so much about who we are and it it convicts me every time I read it. But it's Jesus' encounter with this rich young ruler in the place of surrender. I want you to look at what Jesus is trying to convey to this guy. Mark 10 17. Um, As Jesus started out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and he asked this, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a great question. Question that all of us have at one time or another, or God, what do you want me to do? What's your plan and purpose for my life? Jesus says this, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Jesus gives him the commandments. Jesus gives him the rules. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So then it makes you wonder, what is he talking to Jesus about if he's followed the rules? Because folks, let me, just, let me just say to you right now, it's not about following rules. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I love that. There's still one thing you haven't done, he said. Go and sell all your possessions, give, it to, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, then come follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away very sad, for he had many possessions. This guy comes up to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do? I think some translation says, good teacher, what good thing must I do? So it's all this talk about being good. Good teacher, what good thing do I have to do um, to inherit eternal life? Or maybe we have already come to salvation and maybe it's, God, what would you have me do with my life? What is your plan and your purpose? it's interesting that this guy asked jesus good teacher he says good teacher and jesus kind of deals with that because you know he's looking for validation from jesus i think he said good teacher because i think he's hoping 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 that jesus will look at him and say what do you want good boy you're so good he wanted validation for being good and so then jesus holds up the mirror of the law to him Jesus lists the commandments. But he's, it's the divine setup. Because if we come honestly to Jesus, and this guy does come honestly with Jesus, to Jesus, and I love that Jesus says he was moved with great love for this guy, but if you come honestly with Jesus, be ready for the questions that he will ask you. Because he's going to set you up to reveal your heart. And that's what he did with this guy. He set him up to reveal his heart. Jesus gives him the commands, and this guy goes, hey, you know, I've done those since I was a boy. I've, I've, been, a, I've been a good boy. I've been, I've been a commandment follower. But the reason why he came to Jesus was something was missing. Following the rules wasn't completely doing it for him. I'm going through the motions. I've been, I've been very religious, but there was still a void in his heart. And Jesus goes, one thing that you lack. And here, here's, the, here's the setup, and here's... Here's Jesus saying, I'm going to set you up because I'm going to reveal your heart. One thing you lack. And I imagine this guy was thinking, hopefully he's just going to give me one more command and I'll go do that and I'll be okay. And what Jesus was saying is, here's what you lack. You lack full and complete and unconditional surrender of your heart. That's what you lack. I know that Jesus doesn't say that specifically, but what he says is, go sell all your possessions. Because later on, we find out that this guy had many possessions. And his, really, his idol had become his possessions. And that was the void. It was I was following the rules, but something's missing. Jesus said, let me pry out of your hands that control that you have over that part of your life. Go sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Do you trust me, is what Jesus was saying. Will you unconditionally surrender to me? Do you want real joy? Do you want real contentment in your life? Then come follow me. Surrender. Do you trust me? Jesus was saying, I want you to take up your cross. And that area in your life that you're going to have to nail to the cross is your possessions. What Jesus said again to his disciples is those who would want to follow me, you better count the cost. We don't just say, well, it's neat, I, I think it'll be a neat idea to be a Christian. No, Jesus is saying, I want you to count the cost. Because what it means to be a Christian is to take up your cross every day. It's full and unconditional surrender. It's letting me control, it's letting me dictate. It's you giving up that authority and that control in your life to follow me. Jesus said, Count the cost because it'll cost you everything. But it'll be the sweetest decision you ever make. Because surrender is hard, but it's very sweet. And it comes down to obedience. Jesus didn't want this guy's money. He wanted his heart. And I think about what this guy missed out on, and I think about my own life. What what am I missing out on sometimes? Because this guy was doing the minimum requirements. He was just following rules. And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to something so incredible. I'm inviting you to go above and beyond what you thought or, or, or could imagine in following me. This will be the greatest adventure of your life, but it'll be the sweetest adventure of your life. But you've got to let me have control of your life. And it was this guy's possessions, but what is it with us? What keeps us from going above and beyond? What is Jesus trying to pull our fingers off of and that, those control mechanisms? Because he said, this is the kingdom. This is what it means to follow me. What are we hanging on to that keeps us from giving our whole hearts to complete surrender to him? Because again, to go above and beyond the call of duty begins in the place of surrender of our hearts. It's born inside of us so that when we are squeezed, courageous, obedient trust comes pouring out. And when we walk in that place of surrender, then we have the capacity to love like he loves, obey like he obeys, and to lay our lives down for others because that's what we're called to do. But it can only happen when we're in training, the day-to-day walk, prayer, worship, the word of God, getting to know him in spite of my circumstances and having his life manifested in and through me every day. And it's an everyday walk. Lord, I give you control today. I surrender today. Lord, I give you control and I surrender today. Because as I close, I want to talk about Jesus that He went above and beyond for us. And that is the greatest joy that He demonstrated His love. That that place of sin, when we choose to go our own way and we're choosing to do our own thing and the enemy has thrown these grenades into our lives to try to kill and steal and destroy because that's what Jesus said. He said, you know, you have an enemy out there and he wants to kill you, he wants to steal from you and he wants to destroy your life and he has thrown these grenades at us and Jesus, in an act of greatest courage and bravery ever known to mankind, for each of us jumped on that grenade and more than just removing his hand he gave up his life for us that when the enemy tried to destroy us Jesus threw his life down for us and he gave it up and he went above and beyond anything that we could imagine he gave his life for us what do you need to surrender today Do you need to surrender your heart in a fresh way today? Do you need to surrender something that keeps you from giving your heart to Him? I encourage you, don't don't wait. Don't put it off. Today is a good day. Let's pray. Jesus, we are humbled, we are honored, and we, we just are in awe of who you are. Thank you, Lord God, for that. i just reminded of that passage, that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Lord, that you endured the cross, that you gave it all up for us, that you went above and beyond the call of duty. Lord, I pray today, God, that our response to you would be complete and total surrender. Lord, I pray for each person in this room, Lord, that whatever part of their heart, God, and maybe it's that they just need to, in a fresh way, Lord, give their hearts and their lives back to you in that place of surrender to give up control. And if that's you today, I'm just going to have you lift your hand because I just want to pray for you. just want to come to a place of complete surrender in a fresh way. Thank you for those hands. Thanks. I'm just going to pray for those. Will you agree with me in prayer? God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for that response to you. I pray for those that, that raise their hands. Thank you for their lives. God, thank you for the response toward you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would draw near, that you would touch them, Lord. And Lord, even as they wake up tomorrow, that they would be encouraged to walk it out, Lord, in faith and trust and obedience to you. And I want to pray for you today. If there's something, if there's, something in your life that has become, you know, that and God maybe pinpointed it today as I was speaking that there was there's something in his life that he is that he was wanting to highlight and saying that, you know, that's been a control mechanism for you and you've not totally surrendered that to me. You know, it can be possessions, it can be, you know, where your where your trust is in the wrong thing. It can be a relationship. It can be a number of things. But if God pinpointed that today, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you as well. Thank you. Let's just lift that up to the Lord. Lord Jesus, uh, my hand is up on that one, Lord. Uh, I pray, God, that you would help us. Help us as your people. Help us as your children to walk this out every day. Lord, forgive us when we go to the place of control. Because, Lord, really, it it, it is a place of saying, I I don't trust God in that area. I don't trust him. and, Lord, we, we want to trust you. We want to we believe, Lord God, help our unbelief. And so, Lord, today, just in, a, in an act of obedience, we give you those things that we have failed to trust. We say, God, help us. Help our hearts. Help us to walk obediently before you. God, we love you today, and we thank you again for who you are. And, Lord, we give you our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. If you know